Welcome to the 420th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome and thank you for listening. Well, it's in the books. The Hoka Rocky 50 mile is complete. Made it to the start line. Touch and go, I might say. Um, two weeks before, Sophie and I had a tumble, hyperextended my right leg, uh, my knee was a little wonky, did a bunch of self-rehab, throwing everything at the book at it, turmeric, um, stretching, strengthening, massaging, and about two days before race day, it eased up and I didn't have any discomfort walking. And the week before the race, I didn't do any more than two and a half miles running very easy and gingerly. Um, we traveled to Houston, you know, could feel a little bit, but it felt pretty good. Um, race morning felt, felt great. Um, got up and went to the race start and never felt my right knee once. So the end result, my time was 13 hours and 21 minutes. I was first in my age group of 60 to 69. One person older than me didn't finish. One person got masters. So nevertheless, got on the podium. Was not the time I'd hoped for, um, but I was quite happy to finish it um, given how I started. So I'll give you the nitty-gritty details as we go. Um, but this 50-miler uh, was at Huntsville, at Huntsville State Park in Texas. And it is the home of the Sam Houston statue. I did not know that, but we were driving to the hotel after checking into the race, and we saw this really tall cowboy-looking fella whose name on the bottom said Sam Houston statue. Sam Houston was born in 1763 to 1863. And you might wonder why Sam Houston is not in Houston, and he's in Huntsville, but turns out that's where he actually lived. He was a founding father of Texas. He lived and died in Huntsville, um, and he led the Texas Army to the War uh, of Independence from Mexico in 1836. It is very interesting, however, that he started his life in Tennessee, and was a strong supporter of the Indian commuter, uh, community, uh, specifically the, Cher the Cherokee Nation, and actually went to live with them as a teenager, and um, was very, um, he fought for Indian rights. He, he thought that, uh, that we did not treat the Native Americans right, and so he, his whole life was championed around um, doing good things for the um, Native Americans. So I thought that was really cool. The Huntsville State Park, uh, really, really pretty. Um, the race started, um, there was a, kind of a um, lodge, a meeting lodge, and uh, it was right off at lake, but it's a, there's a, a big lake that looked like people kayaked. I don't know that there was much in the way of motorboats, but more of the way of kayaking and paddleboarding and, and such. Um, the race route was three 16.7-mile loops, and they kind of were in a clover sheet, uh, clover uh, leaf type pattern around the park. So you were never more, and there were eight, there were two eight stations out on the course, and then one kind of at the uh, at at the main base. They were the eight station about 5.7, 5.8 miles apart. So you never were that far away from civilization, which was good. 
I've been in some races that I've thought while I was out there that if I go down, it'll be hours and hours and hours before somebody finds me. But I never kind of thought that you could hear music at the camp and at the finish line and when you were in certain places. And sometimes that made you feel good. Other times it made you feel bad when you were running away from it and you knew you still had uh, a long ways to go. Um, it was cool. Um, and, you know, we were kind of happy about that. Um, in the past, it's had snow and rain, so it was dry. So that was good. But it was about 39, 40 degrees at the start, so that was pretty cool for us Floridians. Um, I elected, I, I had thoughts, I thought it was going to warm up into the 50s, and I thought I might get hot, but I decided to be smart for a change and dress warm at the start and see how it goes. So I actually wore long tights and an exoskin uh, base layer short sleeve shirt and an Innovate heavy long sleeve on the top of that. Uh, I had my um, rabbit buff, I had a Solomon vest over that, and I had a Solomon windbreaker over that whole thing. And I got a pretty cool um, buff at uh, the race. So it had a Hoka Rocky Raccoon 50 commemorative uh, buff. I did not take that buff off my ears the whole race. And that's unusual for me because that's kind of one of the first things I get rid of is gloves first and then put, pull up my... Um, you know, earmuffs to just let my ears be out in the, in the open, so. And I never changed. I peeled off the windbreaker, stuck it in my vest, um, you know, put the gloves in my, in my vest as well, and then ended up putting them on later on in, in the evening. So the race started at 7 a.m. Um, with, a, with a chip start for the 50 milers. There was also a 50K and then a 13.1 mile race. Um, but I started out with the, with the gun, and first lap was great. I uh, was, you know, just kind of going to feel, you know, the, the adages in a 50-mile race. If you think you're going easy, try to go a little easier, and I felt like I did. There were rolling hills, but nothing very big, nothing very long, so not much in the way of uphill, not much in the way of downhill. And I soon said to myself, you know, this is a pretty runnable course. It was about, the path was about as wide as, say, two people could go past each other, easy, so it wasn't that bottleneck single track type stuff. And there were leaves and pine needles, and it was soft on your feet. And I thought, man, this is a really cool day. I felt like I was running in the woods of West Virginia in my old squirrel hunting days. And I just got the thought out of my mind thinking, this is not that technical of a race, and I ended up on the ground. Um, there, uh, most of the trees were pine needles, big pines, and a lot of pine roots. And you try to go around the roots you can see. However, the roots under the leaves you don't see, and those are the ones that catch your feet, and you end up on the ground before you ever knew you were tripping. And that happened to me a total of four times during the 13 hours and 21 minutes. Uh, the first one, it was boom, and I did a tuck and roll on my right shoulder and, you know, landed in soft stuff, and it's like, mm, that wasn't that bad, but I need to be careful. And I got up, and it wasn't too much longer because it was on the first, uh, before the first aid station, so within 5.7 miles, I went to the ground twice. The second time, I kind of tucked and rolled to the left side um, and, uh, you know, got my left knee where I had strawberried a couple weeks before the race. Uh, but again, you know, that'll hurt later, nothing, nothing big. But then in the second five and a half miles to the second aid station, I bit it again and I bit it good. And this time, I, I don't know if I landed on a route or whatever, but I, I got my left chest pretty good and my left shoulder. 
uh, to the point, you know, it's like, that's going to hurt. I hope my ribs, they're not broken. Um, I'm okay. Um, but I had to walk just a little bit to kind of get my bearings straight and go on. Um, I went down one more time before the race was over, and that was on the last, the last loop. Um, but, you know, it was, it was kind of funny because, again, you know, you, you're looking at roots, and you're fine with the ones you see, and it's, you're not fine with the ones you don't see. And in retrospect, I'm, you know, I, I decided I was going to blame uh, the Newtons because of the lugs maybe getting stuck. I changed shoes after 32 miles into the Innovates. Um, they're a flat shoe, so they were a little bit more flat. Probably wasn't the smartest move, so I went from a drop of like six millimeters to a flat shoe. So a little harder on my feet, maybe. Uh, it would have been better to go up the other direction, probably. But it wasn't the shoes. Um, it was me not picking up my feet, but also I believe it was me not having depth perception that I should have because um, the smart doctor here wears one contact for distance and one contact, uh, I'm sorry, I wear one contact for distance and no contact in my left eye that I use to see close. And it's really great for the office because I don't have to wear cheaters. And it's great to go out and run the road where it's flat because I don't have to wear cheaters and I can see distance and it's the best of both worlds. However, when you're trying to run a technical terrain that's moving left and right and up and down, that has roots uh, of varying degrees, I believe that my ability to judge that um, was markedly reduced. So I'm gonna blame my contacts on going down so many times as opposed to just being an old lady with uh, that's klutzy. Uh, and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But it's another bone density test, if you wanna say. So I went down four times during the race. I went down one time on the cement the week before, two weeks before the race. And I have no broken bones to show from it. Um, so just a little bruising here and there. Um, so I think my bone density is pretty good for being one of those plant-based people that don't get any protein or calcium in their diets. Um, I think my mobility is pretty good because I hop back up pretty quick. You know, people uh, thought I was, you know, a goner. I do want to go back a little bit uh, to the pre-race meeting because I think there's a funny uh, antidote. During the pre-race meeting, the, uh, one of the co-race directors said, you know, he'll be out on the course on a Kubota. Um, so if there's any medical emergencies, you know, people can, you know, um, get help uh, really quickly on this course. And he said, but I will tell you that um, I'm going to be very slow to bring anybody off the course that wants to quit. Uh, I'm going to talk to you and try to have you work through your problems and not bring, uh, bring you back unless, you know, there's a bad injury. And he was true to his word because when I was out on the course, um, there was a girl that was standing on the side and they had summoned him and he was talking to her and he left her out on the course without her and she eventually finished. And we actually talked to her along the way and she said she took a little bit of a pity party break with her husband in the car, a car at an aid station and uh, got herself together and finished, you know, finished the race. And then there was another guy that somebody said uh, he was back and he twisted his ankle and he was sitting down and he couldn't go any further and they needed to send a cart and he finished right behind us um, with, the, with walking sticks. So, you know, I guess uh, if, unless you had a bone sticking out, they weren't going to bring you back in, and, and which is good because, you know, uh, as my old friend uh, Ken Clover says, you can do more than you think you can. And um, so that was, that was good that the guys were tough and encouraged people to, to go on. I got to say, I had a good mental attitude through the whole race, even with the ups and downs. You know, I, I thought to myself, you know, you got to quit falling like this because eventually you might really do something to yourself. But um, I didn't really get cautious until the last loop as far as 
Um, you know, we, we walked in, especially when it got dark, we walked, we walked in. I uh, just couldn't take any more falls at that point. Um, but I never thought for one instance that I wasn't going to finish. I was a little disappointed for a little bit that I wasn't going to get the A time that I was looking for because the first loop was really good. It was probably 10 or 15 minutes quicker than I thought it was going to be. The second loop wasn't that bad, and then the wheels fell off in the third loop. Um, and, you know, end up walking uh, a, good, a good portion of it. So um, that's, that's that. You know, um, we talk about steps, you know, in this podcast and 10,000 steps. Just for the record, uh, for the day of the race, I had 113,209 steps, which was 525% of uh, my daily um, goal. So that was, I thought that was pretty funny. But my average pace uh, for the whole uh, race moving was 1453. Uh, best pace was 1005. Like I said, the um, first part of it, um, I was, you know, uh, a lot faster than the second part. Heart rate was really where it was uh, supposed to be. I never really got too high of a heart rate early on, so I can't blame going out too fast for my crash um, and burn. Um, my watch, and I'm not sure how accurate the garments are, but it said my estimated sweat loss was 5,826, uh, I'm sorry, 5.8, 5 5.8 liters. And it says I burned 4,393 calories for the race, but I don't think that's correct. Um, because I also did the math on, um, what kind of fuel that you kind of need to take in for a uh, a race of that duration, and if you were pretty conservative, uh, five miles an hour, which is 12-minute pace, you probably burn about 100 uh, calories per mile, so that'd be 500 calories per, for five miles uh, in an hour, but usually I can take in about 250 calories, not much more, so that would have put me at a 250-calorie deficit, times 50 miles would have given me a deficit of 12,500 calories. Now you do burn some fat. Uh, so if you say you burn 30% fat, I still was down to 8,750 uh, calorie deficit. Um, I think that there's some accuracy to that calculation based on how I felt. Um, you can feel if you've run distance, your legs kind of ache a little bit and you take some calories in and you get better. And my plan was to take in about uh, 100 calories every 30 minutes and then have uh, I had carried a drink called gnarly that had 100 calories and some electrolytes in it so I figured uh, the gnarly plus two gels at the beginning or a gnarly and uh, I carried Kate bars and I carried a bonk bar um, between those rotating those out I filled my pocket so that every five miles, that's what I would, you know, or I'm sorry, every, every 16 mile uh, loop, I would refill my pockets with a variety of gels, bars, and the gnarly, and then would, you know, eat them as I go every 30 minutes. That was a well-laid plan, uh, because when you get out and you start running up and down, watching people looking for the markers to make sure you stayed on the trail, which was very well marked. I don't think you could have got lost, even if you weren't paying that much of attention. But, you know, after a couple falls, it's, you know, you got to really keep, there was a lot of roots. It wasn't just once in a while, it was a lot of roots. So it was a little difficult to even take in fluids because you didn't really take your uh, eyes off of the terrain that much. And it was a little foggy and damp. And 
So I um, would try to, you know, uh, look at my watch when I took a gel and, you know, think that I was going to do it when I was going to do it. But I don't know that I was all that good about it. Uh, matter of fact, I know I wasn't because I'd end up at 16 miles with a lot of stuff I started out with. Um, but when I got to the aid station, you know, I at least probably drank 200 calories of the electrolyte solution per aid station and probably had two or three gels per aid station. I did two bars along the first two loops, so one in the 16 and one in the next 16. They're really hard to swallow. Uh, when you're running and chewing and try to drink it, it just that just didn't work out very well for me. And I wasn't running fast enough that I thought I could take a walk break. So I just my plan was for the first part, the first marathon half, the first 25 miles of the 50 miles, I wanted to try to run most of it and walk only when I had to and walk at the aid station, fill my bottles up and so forth. But I didn't want to push the pace and I didn't want my heart rate to get up. So I didn't have a whole lot of dilly dally time to, you know, take a break and, and, um, you know, stop and eat and have a picnic. I didn't stop, you know, other than to fill my water bottle up at the aid station, grab more gels at the turn at 16. I did change my shoes before the last lap, change socks and had a cup of um, the Lotus noodles uh, in a cup. So if you've ever seen those Lotus Raymond noodles that you can get at the health food store, they make them in a cup, kind of like the Raymond noodles, but they're organic and a little bit better. And so I had a cup of those and had some sodium in it fair amount of sodium. So that I thought was good. So Michael had made those for me. So they were nice and mushy and I kind of sucked those down pretty quick to everybody's amazement uh, and took back off. I also had some dried mango slices that tasted good, but might left my hand really sticky. So that wasn't great. I thought that I wanted some sort of savory sandwich. Um, we bought avocados and tomatoes that never got, that never happened, but I asked for a you know, dumbed it down to a mustard and white bread sandwich, which was stale from sitting out in the wind, and I couldn't even swallow that, so that went off to the birds or squirrels or whoever might try to eat it, probably just compost. Um, so that was kind of my nutrition plan or my nutrition, what actually happened, not necessarily the plan. So by... The second, uh, you know, this, I would say halfway through the second loop, I, I turned to my standby because I was getting tired of looking at the gels. The bars weren't working. Um, they had bacon and sausage out on the, that. That looked disgusting to me. I wouldn't have eaten it anyway. They also had pancakes that I'm sure were made with buttermilk, and they smelled like, you know, they smelled like chemicals. I didn't want any part of that. I've never been a fan of the smell of hospital pancakes, and that's what they, they smelled like, and that kind of turned my stomach even a little bit. I did have, uh, they had like quarters of peanut butter and jelly sandwich that were pretty thin as far as the peanut butter and jelly aspect of it. Um, so I probably had three quarters um, throughout the 50 miles. So not a lot from that. I actually had, a, we bought a cranberry breakfast bread that Michael also made me a half a sandwich with uh, some uh, peanut butter in. And I managed to choke that down. It was pretty dry itself. <laughs> Um, it's just hard to have things out in the wind and not get really stale on you. Uh, the reason why Michael wasn't running with me is that he has a knee injury from, um, you know, various things that have happened over the last couple of months. So he's rehabbing um, and he's getting better. And he's, the plan was to run perhaps the last loop with me, but his knee is still a little bit um, cranky. 
And with all the routes, we decided that it would be best for him to meet me at the aid station and run in the last 11 miles. So he gave me a choice that I wanted him to run the first part of the last loop or the last part. And thank God um, I, he allowed me to, or he agreed to run the last part with me because um, that was really the most important part to have somebody. Um, and I do appreciate him running in those last 11 miles because it did get dark and it would have been lonely. And we were in Huntsville, and that is where the state Huntsville State Penitentiary is. And there was a helicopter, and it's like, oh, great, we're in the dark near the state penitentiary, and there's a helicopter out. Soon the hound dogs will be out, but we didn't see any hound dogs, so, and we didn't see any prisoners. So, And I don't think there was a break, so that was just all you know, between the years. It was a beautiful day. Uh, I just loved being out in the woods. Um, you know, you just kind of felt the flow of going around and up and down, and um, the trees and the birds and the sound and the wind. It was just, just magical, uh, very, very peaceful. Um, talked to a few people, but I really just liked the quiet of being out there. Like, again, it did remind me when I used to be a kid up in West Virginia, we would go, I'd go out with my dad hunting and you'd sit in the woods. Um, and um, so it was really nice. Didn't see any other wildlife other than here's some birds and things. So no alligators this time. So I do believe that the third loop, I was hampered by a deficit in calories. Um, the aid station had M&Ms, don't eat those, they're not vegan, I'm not a fan of Pringles, they're full of acrylamides or carcinogens, I never like Pringles on a good day, that's not going to happen. A little bit of pretzels, but they, um, they tend to stick in your throat, so I, I couldn't get those down. So the PB&J sandwich is about the only thing on the uh, aid table, except at the end they had mashed potatoes. So I got on the last loop at 11 miles, 11, with 11 miles left, I got a cup of mashed potatoes and I was, you know, walking and eating those spoonful at a time. And it was pretty hard to swallow them at that time. I just had lost my taste for just about everything. But they did perk me up. Um, so between Coke, a cola, and then those mashed potatoes, I only had one cup of the mashed potatoes the whole time. I probably could have eaten more of those. And that would have helped. But I do believe the deficit, the caloric deficit slowed me down. Uh, and everything started to hurt just a little bit more uh, because of it. No blisters, no blisters. Uh, two toenails that my second toe is always, the toenails just aren't normal anymore. So um, I always end up popping those and losing those toenails uh, eventually afterwards. But uh, not not terrible by any, any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so on that 11, last seven miles, we were pretty much in the dark. The course was marked with reflector uh, markers, so you could, uh, reflector tape kind of thing. So you could see very good on the, you know, where you were going. Again, the trail was, you know, it was hard to get lost, but boy, when you're moving slow and it's dark and it was getting cold and you have a headlamp on, you could see your breath and it was, you know, it's like, okay, I'm about ready for this to be over, you know, at three miles left and one foot in front of the other. And then we would, you know, eventually see people um, and, uh, you know, some people will come up behind us and, and we finished, like I said, with a couple people. The race directors were great. When we finished, they were all there standing and cheering like we won the race, you know, when we were, you know, in the last little bit of people that come across the finish line. So that was, that was really fun. Uh, of course, it made my day. Addie and Caleb came out um, to greet me at the end of the second loop. So it was always fun seeing my little buddy and uh, Addie. Um, and so that was a highlight of my day. Um, and uh, they got to enjoy some of the festivities around the, the finish line tent. Apparently, Caleb came with his uh, cooler well-stocked, and he had a sandwich and cookies and everything, so he and fruit, and so he had a, 
a, a great afternoon of, of eating under the tent. Um, he has been to a lot of races for a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy, um, so he's taken after Addie. Um, Addie was at a lot of races as she was growing up, so hopefully uh, Caleb will either be a, uh, do a little running or be a runner supporter. Um, the goal is for Caleb and I to run an ultra at some point, um, so we'll see. He, he may have to take off from football to run an ultra with his old grandmother someday. Who knows? It's really funny when you're running long races like that. Um, things hurt, and then they don't hurt, and something else hurts, and it goes away. So the beauty of it is nothing lasts forever. Um, the good times, the, the good feelings don't last forever, and neither do the bad feelings. Something might hurt really bad for a little bit, then it kind of goes away, whether you eat or turn a different way. I thought I was getting sciatica in the beginning of the race. Um, and after I fell down, my hip felt perfectly fine, so no more sciatica. Again, my right knee, who was, which was just, you know, nasty the week before the race, never hurt me at all. It still does not hurt. Um, I am left with um, some sore ankle flexors from, I guess, tripping over the, 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 uh, the branch, the, um, the roots. Um, I have, the worst thing is my ribs on the left side. I, I really do think I bruised them. I kind of felt like a cockroach on my back that night trying to turn over. Um, and so my left chest and my left shoulder uh, to get my arm up. It's much better today. So we raced on Saturday and I am recording this on Tuesday. And I could throw the ball for Sophie a little bit with my left arm and certainly drive with my left arm much better than I could um, a couple days ago. Um, but it's still, when I take a deep breath, uh, have some discomfort in the left upper chest area. Just bruised. I don't think anything's broken. Not going to look. Wouldn't do anything different. Not going to get radiated. That's one thing about uh, rib fractures. Whether they're broken or bruised doesn't matter. Uh, you're going to do the same thing. You want to take nice diaphragmatic breaths the best you can. You don't want to get pneumonia if you have broken ribs. That's the biggest thing. So I did think about that a little bit, but I, I don't have any trouble taking a, a full deep breath. I've got a pretty good bruise on my left hip and my left forearm and in my left shoulder. A um, little bit of more of a strawberry on my left knee. It just healed up, and so I got another one. I'm glad I had tights on. That was a really good call. Um, it makes me think that for just about every trail race now, uh, with my level of grace, that I'm probably going to wear some sort of tights or protection of some sort. Um, you know, so it comes down to... Um, the nutrition and you know as a plant-based wellness podcast it's a little embarrassing saying that nutrition was the hardest part but um i want to stay plant-based i'm not going to give that up um, i'm not willing to give up my health to run a race i think that the gels are fine i use a gel with chia seeds good there's some omega-3s in there um, the mashed potatoes fine probably if we'd have done you can bring drop bags and have them, they haul them out to the different aid stations. So that would have probably been a smarter thing. Maybe have a thermos with more of the noodles in. Maybe have some sweet potatoes that are already cooked into baggies or something. Um, and then avocado, I think, is, is going to be a superfood for me in the future. I, you know, when you look at the nutritional value of avocado, they have fat, but there are they do have carbohydrates and a little bit of protein in them. You cannot use protein for energy, so it makes no difference. And, it, and of course, over the course of 24 hours, um, you would need to have a little protein in just because of the deficit that you're running into for not taking in any protein and moving throughout the day. So you want to have some protein in if you were going to go much longer. But a little bit of protein, I think, in a long ultra race, fine. 
In a marathon, there's absolutely no need for a protein or a short chain amino acids. You're not going to use them at all for fuel. You can eat afterwards. Um, the fat component, um, uh, you know, I certainly am not interested in hydrogenated fats, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, processed junk food. I don't want acrylamide. So I don't want to take in carcinogens when I'm running, even though I'll probably burn most of this stuff off because everything's being burned off. But I'm not interested in that either. So avocado would be a, a good source of fat, monounsaturated, saturated. Um, and, you know, again, with a little bit of protein and a little carbohydrate. I thought about tofu, but it's mostly protein with a little bit of fat and a little bit of uh, carbohydrate. So I don't think there's enough carbohydrate in the tofu. Now, if I was going to do a 24-hour race, then I think that's where tofu would come into play. Um, I thought about hummus. Um, you know, with garbanzo beans, having a little bit more carbohydrate, a little bit of fat and some protein. Um, but garbanzo beans and myself don't always set right. And some of the ones you buy, you're not sure exactly what kind of oil you're getting in. So I, I've not practiced with that. So I would be afraid that some of the oil might give me indigestion and not be of good quality. So I wasn't so sure of that. Um, the Raymond noodles, um, they were they were good. Uh, I think that's a really good source in, in potatoes. So um, it's it's about practicing with fuel. Um, you know what we got to do for this race because this was a training race for the A races in July in Leadville. Um, there's another 50 mile, the Benzos uh, or Brazos 50 uh, in April. So this was a training run. What we got to experience with yet, was yet another terrain that we've never run on. Um, you know, roots. Um, so it was soft. Um, it wasn't that hilly, but there were lots of roots. So that was the new experience for terrain. Um, it was colder. This was the coldest race we've run in for the, that distance. A lot of our first 50K out in uh, Utah was really hot. So this one was cooler. Um, so it was easier to stay hydrated, although not entirely. It took me till, you know, I got a little behind on that too. Again, because I was afraid to drink, afraid to fall on my face again. Um, so, so we got terrain and we got to run in the dark. Um, I really wanted to run in the dark. I didn't want to have to walk in the dark so much. Uh, I was hoping it wouldn't be quite as long of a practice section. Um, but as darkness goes, it was a well-marked trail. So it was a really good, uh, beginner's dark, uh, walk run, um, into the, into the finish line. Um, from about, like I said, we probably in the dark last seven miles. So we got to be in the dark. We got new terrain. We got to run in the cold, all positive, got to practice nutrition, um, got to find what we're lacking in, uh, what we need to do better. Um, and, um, so it was, it was all, it was all good. Uh, I would do the race again, give it five stars. It was a beautiful location, you know, um, just out in nature there's a beauty to run in the trail races that you don't get with road marathons. I've run over 50 road marathons and Ironman, you know, marathons as a part of that. And, um, there's just something about being in the woods and running that is just so serene and peaceful and just in your happy place. Maybe it's because I grew up, uh, in the country and grew up in West Virginia. Maybe it brings all back those, those good fuzzy feelings. Um, but people are kind, people are nice, people cheer each other on, um, and just being out in nature, I mean, it's good microbes, it's fresh air, it's clean air, um, I can't say enough, uh, if you've ever considered doing a trail race, uh, go do it.
my hats off to the race director. It's Tejas Trails, uh, T-E-J-A-S Trails is the company. Uh, they, they really did a, um, a, a great job. One thing they said, though, um, I, I would give, if maybe I would give them a 4.9 out of 5 because they talked about what kind of food was going to be on the, on the um, tables. And they said that maybe you should give them suggestions, so maybe I will give them the suggestions. But they, they made a little comment that, you know, there's going to be meat and there's uh, lots of different choices, but it is Texas, so there's not going to be very many vegan options. Um, you know, I, I almost claim Texas is one of my home states. You know, I'm a West Virginian at heart. I've been in Florida forever, and I love Texas. Um, I, I loved all the people that I've that I've, I love all the people that I've met there. It's it's a fun. We've been in so many different state parks. It's a nice nice place. But people there aren't much healthier than people in West Virginia. Um, so all you Texans can give me a, you know, you can call me out on this. But there's a lot of bad eating going on in Texas. And it centers around meat and barbecue and grease and, and uh, oil. And um, just like West Virginia. So I think because I consider myself part Texan, I can say this. Like, just like because I consider myself West Virginian, I can say this. That... Um, there are huge hospital systems in both Florida and Texas. I'm sorry, both in West Virginia and Texas. Huge hospital systems. And if the nutrition and everything was so great, they wouldn't need such large hospital systems. So it's kind of sad that you have so much, so much health care, so many health care facilities, but not very good health. And so I do think that that's ignored. So in a race, you know, in a venue like this, I do think it's, um, uh, and maybe that'll be my mission, you know, being the old cardiologist, plant-based endurance runner, um, given menu suggestion for, um, you know, what, to, what could be at aid stations that would be healthier so that people could run a long time and into their older years and not get sick while they're running or have to compromise their health. I have, you know, the one of the, the runner of the year um, is a woman named Courtney DeWalter, and she's a fabulous endurance athlete, but she has in the past relied on candy most of her races. So you can only imagine perhaps, you know, uh, if there was, you know, a little bit more nutrition involved somehow. I don't know. I don't know. I certainly don't have nutrition figured out. You need calories. You need carbohydrate calories in, and you need a lot of them, and you probably need some fat. Um, so... It's going to be my mission to figure out how best to do that in the healthiest way possible. Um, so that's that's kind of where I, I you know my my takeaway from all of this is how can I how can I make this healthier uh, because I'm doing this to you know live longer and live better. So why compromise my health while I'm racing eating um, you know something that has metabolic waste associated with it. So I'm not saying anything about the sugar because you need you need the sugar and you need the and you probably need a little bit of fat and you probably need a little bit of protein when it gets longer as far as macronutrients. But you don't need um, you know um, you don't need a bunch of chemicals, um, preservatives, and you don't need you know artificial dyes and. Um, you know, acrylamides from high, you know, roasting of chips and things like that, high heat roasting of, of uh, vegetables. So you don't need that. You don't need nitrates from bacon and all that kind of stuff. So I'd rather not have metabolic waste. I'd rather have good sources of macronutrients. I don't think you have to worry about your antioxidants during the race. You get those afterwards. Um, 
after the race, we went back to the hotel. We had a big bowl of fruit. Um, it wasn't the best fruit in the world, but we got some down. Also had a couple Oreos that weren't Oreos. They were the, you know, uh, nature's own, you know, so the organic Oreos. Um, and, um, you know, had some bread and then had a, you know, a oatmeal the next morning. And uh, had uh, big um, smoothies at Addie's house, two big green smoothies with berries to try to reload. And I, I actually have to say that, um, again, it's Tuesday. My legs feel pretty good. So I'm, I'm quite uh, happy with the, with the way my legs feel after 50 miles. They don't feel much different than an Ironman would at this stage. Not much worse than a marathon. Um, so I'm, I'm real happy with that. Um, going forward, again, I'm going to get back to the tire, get back to the strength training. I think that's important. Um, and get back to all that stuff, but I'm going to take the rest of the week off as a walking. Uh, might throw a little swimming in uh, um, in the next couple of weeks. But the next race is the Treasure Coast Marathon in Stewart, Florida. So I'm looking forward to the plant-based reunion there. So that'll be good. I'll be ready to rock and roll. Uh, Michael should be ready to rock and roll that whole race as well. So it'll be a good time. Our uh, A1 registered dietitian, Eddie. Minerich will be in for that. Uh, so if you want to meet Addie Minerich, everybody wants to meet Addie Minerich, you can come on over to that. And of course, you can meet Caleb, uh, cheering um, squad leader um, and chief plant-based toddler. Um, so, so they'll be in for that. So we'll look forward to that. So that's next up. And then back to Texas. So I hope you enjoy listening to my diatribe on races. I know people that aren't into races probably don't like these podcasts, but there's some people that do. So, And I, I kind of like to record them for, you know, when I'm old and gray, or I can <laughs> maybe listen to them someday. But thanks for listening. If you want to hear more about my practice, go to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-R-R, Dr. Delaney, D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com. Email me at jamie, J-A-M-I, at drdelaney.com with any of your questions. We'd love to have you to be part of our practice uh, or part of our coaching group. Um, uh, you know, we're, we want to take people into their late years, very healthy, happy, uh, in their right mind, and very mobile. And it's important to move your body, move it often. Motion is lotion and eating right. It's not about one thing. But I, I believe your body can heal from about anything if you give it an opportunity to. Um, and we'd like to help be a part of your health span journey if you'd let us. So thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. P.S. If you uh, want to see a little outtake of the venue, um, I'll put a link to a little YouTube video that I took with my GoPro. Thanks for listening. Feel 